Our scripture reading for today comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. For when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Merry Christmas. I know, in two days. Um, welcome. Um, today we're having our Christmas service. Uh, we do have a Christmas Day service on Tuesday at 10 o'clock here, and so I want to invite all of you to uh, that service as well. Uh, Tuesday service, we'll be doing a s- service of <clears throat> carols 
and lessons. So I hope you can come and enjoy that time uh, together. Uh, let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you uh, for this day uh, that we can gather and to celebrate uh, the birth of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Thank you for coming into the world for us. And help us today, as we hear your story again, to know of your great love for us and to bow in worship. We thank you and pray this in Christ's name. Amen. In today's familiar reading, wise men come from an unspecified east to Jerusalem. I know that these days on Christmas cards and in nativity scenes, there are three wise men, and they are depicted as regal kings and cast in a positive light as seekers of the Messiah. But as you heard in the reading today, Matthew does not tell us how many there were, nor that they were kings. Tradition tells us that there were three kings because there were three very expensive gifts. But, you know, I was thinking that um, there was probably at least a fourth guy who couldn't come up with a good gift idea, and so he probably just wanted to chip in one of the other guys and says, you know, let's just get, can I, like, put my name down for this gift of frankincense with you? Um, I know I've, I've done that on more than one occasion. It would have probably been a large entourage of people to come this great distance. So it was certainly more than just these three wise men. And it's very unlikely that these were kings. The word for wise men in our Bibles is the word magoi or magi, as the NIV translates it, and is the word from which we get the words in English, magic, magician, and for those of you who are fans of D&D, a mage. And so the magi in our story is probably a combination of astrologers, astronomers, it was kind of the same thing in those days, Um, perhaps they were uh, magicians or sorcerers or practitioners of those arts, Uh, They may have even been a part of a Persian priesthood. But more importantly for us today, the Magi, even though we think of them as good and wise and perhaps as kingly, in the New Testament, they were not seen in such a positive light. For example, in Acts 8, there is a story of a man named Simon who practiced magic and who tried to buy the power of the Holy Spirit and is harshly rebuked by the Apostle Peter. In Acts 13, there is another man named Elymas the Magician, described as a false prophet, and whom the Apostle Paul calls son of the devil, an enemy of all righteousness, and full of deceit and villainy. In general, Jews and Christians despise the Magi as a class who look to the stars for meaning rather than to the scriptures. A later later Christian writer, St. Augustine, attributed impiety and idolatry to the Magi. And so the visit of the Magi should not be seen as, you know, these wise people in their wisdom seeking God, but rather it points us to the wisdom of God and to the broadness of God's mercy, which includes them in God's plan of redemption for the whole world. They are another example of the 
pattern and theme that Matthew established in chapter 1 of the gospel, where in the genealogy, in the family tree of Jesus, we hear about these names of people, and particularly of foreign-born women, and of stories of scandal-filled family histories. Jesus, in his very body, carried the bloodlines of all the nations, and the presence of the Magi looked forward to the salvation of the world, which Jesus will tell his disciples at the end of the gospel, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Still, we have to give the Magi some credit. Something in the heavens told them that the king of the Jews had been born, and they made the original Star Trek to see him and to worship him. You know how to get that in there. That's got to be a hard conversation at home. Right? Yeah, honey, so yeah, um, at work today, um, me and Pastor Dohi and Pastor Danny, we, we saw a new star, and, and we thought we'd go check it out. So we'll be back in a couple of years. Right? Based on what we would say at best was a dubious astrological observation, and even a more suspect conclusion, they embark on a perilous journey of many, many hundreds of miles. Now, I know in our imagination, you probably imagine the star in the sky is kind of like moving along and they're sort of following it, right? It's like the first century version of Waze, right? Turn left here at the Zagros Mountains, follow the river, the Tigris River, right? Go to Tehran, and then now head straight up. Oh! Caravan of camels, accident, recalculating. You know, it's a, that's not what's going on here, okay? It's just they see the rising of the star. The rising of the star, that's all they see. And then they had to reach their own conclusion and decide on a course of action and even, I think, where to go. Just like us. God tells us what we ought to do. Pray for one another. Bear one another's burdens. But God is not going to point a star and say, this is the person I want you to help today. We're not going to get point-by-point directions like that. Based on what you know, just as the Magi did, you have to act. That is the freedom that you and I are given. For the Magi, seeing, you notice his star, the star indicating the birth of the king of the Jews, meant for them that the logical move was to go to Jerusalem and see King Herod because King Herod was known as the king of the Jews, a title that he had been given by the Roman Empire. And Jerusalem is the capital, that's where the king lives. And so if the king of the Jews is going to be born, the most reasonable place to find him would be in Jerusalem. And so they see the star as a sign and that's where they go. Now, you might wonder, why didn't they just send a letter of congratulations and a gift card for Babies Are Us? Why make this arduous journey just to see this birth? Why would foreigners want so badly to see the birth of the king of the Jews? Maybe it's something that they did in those days. Check out all the births of newborn kings. Maybe the astronomical event was so unusual and incredibly compelling. Maybe 
the Magi were acquainted with Jewish descendants of an earlier Babylonian captivity and had some familiarity with the Jewish prophecies about the birth of a Messiah for the world. Maybe, maybe they themselves were of Jewish descent and wanted to see their king. Perhaps it's a combination of these and other reasons. What we do know, however, is that they tell King Herod the reason for their visit, and that is that they have come to worship the king. Now, over the centuries, there have been all kinds of conjectures about the star. Proposals have included conjunctions between planets, a comet, including Halley's Comet, supernova, large meteors, and other reasonable events as possible natural explanations for the appearance of this star. Some of the early Christian writers took another route and interpreted the star more symbolically, arguing that it was either the light of an angel or perhaps the Shekinah glory of God. Whatever it was, the scientific possibility of an astronomical event only means that it's possible, and beyond that, like every other miracle and sign in the scriptures, its meaning must be interpreted in light of faith. Anyone can see stars, even unusual ones. But how is it to be understood? How is it supposed to be interpreted? And how will you respond in light of that knowledge? And notice here that the rising of the star only leads them to Jerusalem. As foreign dignitaries, they had enough clout to get an audience with King Herod. And when they ask him about the star, he consults his biblical scholars and they tell him, that the Christ is to be born in Bethlehem. The sign points them to God. They can spark in them a wonder about their place in the universe and set them off on their journey. But only the scriptures fully reveal the Christ. The star is not enough. The sign is not enough for the Magi to discover Jesus. As Luther wrote, the scriptures are the manger that contains the Christ child. We need the scriptures to meet the Christ. But at the same time, we can also see here that knowing the scriptures are not enough. Herod and his people had the scriptures. They even interpreted the prophecies correctly. It's only a few hours from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. They had all the resources and all the opportunity to go see Jesus, and they didn't. Maybe Herod doesn't really feel threatened by the baby, or is so confident that he can dupe the Magi that he doesn't bother. But you would think that at least some of the biblical scholars would want to go with the Magi to Bethlehem to see this child, but they don't. No one wants to see the newborn king. Herod certainly doesn't want another king to replace him. And his court doesn't want to be threatened in their precarious positions. And so they all miss out because they're all serving the wrong king. But Herod is not the true king. The star led them to Jerusalem The scriptures led them to Bethlehem. 
And finally, the surprise led them to worship him. The Magi expected to see the birth of the king in Jerusalem. That's where kings are born. You know, on on Monday, I got a text from uh, Billy and Joey saying that their daughter had been born. I congratulated them, and then I asked them which hospital they were at. I didn't ask, which mall are you staying at? Or which gas station are you hanging out in? Of course not. That's not where babies are born. Kings are not born in Bethlehem in a house. They're born in palaces in Jerusalem. And that's the surprise for the Magi. Jesus is in a house, and his parents are just normal, ordinary peasants. In fact, everything about the birth of Jesus is a surprise. Mary didn't expect to be pregnant. Joseph certainly didn't expect her to be pregnant. The Magi expected to find him in Jerusalem, as every king would be. And it seems to me that the heart of Christmas and the heart of the gospel is a wonderful surprise. When the Magi are finally led to the house in Bethlehem, it says that they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It was a surprise beyond surprise. When C.S. Lewis wrote his autobiography, he titled it Surprised by Joy. It's a play on words. The root word for joy is surprise. So the title could be Surprised by Surprise or Joyed by Joy. And not only that, I've told you before that the word for joy, for surprise, for grace, and for thanksgiving, they're all related. They're all part of the same word, family. And so I think what the Magi discovered that day, what surprised them was that the newborn king is not someone to be feared like Herod, not someone who was beyond their understanding, someone who was so powerful and wealthy that you could not relate to him, but someone who was born in a regular house to a regular family. They got a hint that this king is going to be different from all other worldly kings. I know that... uh, Some of you, perhaps many of you, don't like surprises because your basic disposition is to be in control of your life and the life of the people around you and so that you can kind of minimize bad news. A couple of weeks ago, one of our kids called my wife and I in the middle of the day on a Monday. Our first thought wasn't, oh, this is great. One of our kids is calling us. No, our first thought Our first thought was, why is he or she (laughs) calling us? What's wrong? We didn't say that out loud, of course, but we were both thinking it. Now, our kids have gotten more pastoral, as some of you have, so when they call at an unexpected time, they start by saying, nothing's wrong. Because a phone call is a surprise. And so our default assumption is that it's got to be something really bad for them to call instead of texting or waiting. I don't want to live with that set of defaults. So I want you to call me all the time so I get used to getting phone calls and not assuming it's going to be bad news. 
I know there are bad surprises. I know that. But you know that some of the best things, some of the greatest joys in your life were when you were not in control, when it was a surprise, when you fell in love, when you got a gift that completely blew you away, when you were unexpectedly forgiven. When it comes to faith, I understand now that when you follow a star, when you follow the scriptures, when you are led by the Spirit, it will lead you to surprises. The Bible tells me that God's call in our lives is mysterious and unpredictable, that there is no way that we can apply some formula for everyone to experience the presence of God. God once sent a storm and a large fish for a runaway nationalist. Another time, a burning bush for a murderer in exile. And still another time, silence for a burnt-out prophet. And still another time, a series of dreams to a spoiled and favored child. And today, it was the rising of a star. Maybe you became a follower of Jesus and thought it was going to be awesome and exciting all the time. It can be. But I think it will be in ways that will really surprise you. It will bring you not the joy of the luxury of Herod's palace, but the unexpected joys of an ordinary house like Joseph and Mary. I can tell you that for myself, when I was led to seminary 28 years ago now, I never imagined myself standing before you today and being a part of this church. I never would have guessed back then how much my life and faith would be shaped by this congregation. I was just trying to be faithful to what I felt was God's call in my life, and here I am 28 years later. Back then, I had some dreams about what my life would look like. I had some ideas about what I thought God was like and what following God might look like. I can tell you that almost everything I thought back then has proven wrong. Or if I'm more kind to myself, has proven incomplete. Following Jesus is far richer, far more difficult, far more fulfilling, far more surprisingly joyful than anything I had imagined. God's grace over the years has caught me by surprise more than once, for which I am very grateful. The Magi were surprised that the king was in a house in Bethlehem. I imagine that maybe at least one of them wished they could have stayed at a five-star hotel instead, instead of in that house. I imagine some of them might have gone home disappointed. Maybe they thought about keeping some of their precious gifts. Instead of gold, they could have just given this family, a little bit of silver or just a few hundred denarii. It's a poor family after all and they would be happy to receive a few dollars. But in their surprise, in their joy, they gave the best that they brought, the best that they had to offer. But notice here, before any gifts, they worship. They worship. That's why they came. They saw Mary and Jesus, but it says here that they worship. Jesus and Jesus alone. Because worship 
Worship is reserved for God and God alone. In the scriptures, when people are amazed by angels or by the apostles or other godly people, people want to worship them, and they are absolutely forbidden from doing so. Jesus will also quote to the devil during his temptation, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. But here, Jesus himself accepts worship as he will do again after his resurrection and at least another eight more times in the Gospel of Matthew. He receives worship. Matthew is telling us here that this is not just a king, but the king, the Son of God. And somehow, in the child Jesus, these magi, with their mix of stars, of their scriptures and superstitions and surprise, see that Jesus is the Son of God and worthy of worship. It reminds me that there is in each and every human being a deep, deep craving for worship. Maybe you don't even realize it, but if you take some time to honestly examine yourself, deep down you will discover that there is some yearning, some emptiness, and maybe you can't even articulate it, but it's a longing for meaning to encounter God. Because only God is big enough and good enough for worship. That's why you're here. That's why you come to church. Maybe you didn't even realize that. You come because you want to know, to have some confirmation that this is true, that the gospel is true, that God loves you. You come hoping that somehow in the words you hear, in the prayers you offer, in the songs you sing, in the communion you will take, you might encounter God and believing in response to the love of God to worship. It's a longing God built into us, but a longing that you have to respond to. God went to incredible lengths to lead the Magi to this house. God choreographed the actions of the heavens so that the Magi could meet up with the biblical scholars in Jerusalem, who in turn would point them to Bethlehem so that they can then go to the house and worship the Christ. God initiates, but they had to respond. I think likewise it may not seem that way to you, but I believe God has led you here today and has been leading you here in a similar fashion so that you can worship. Some of you travel a long distance just to be here today, not just a physical distance, but psychological, emotional, even spiritual distances just to be here today. And I want you to know, I want you to know that it's an encouragement to me and to others here. In fact, I'm especially glad to see those of you here today who I haven't seen in a while, and for those of you who may not feel that comfortable even being here. However you ended up here, I know that God is the one who led you here and you responded. Maybe some of you have been feeling guilty about not being at church for a while, but as I've told you before, God doesn't take attendance. We take attendance, but God doesn't. Maybe a friend of you reminded that it's Christmas service and so you should come. You should thank them. 
Maybe you just came to see the kids' presentation. Tell the kids how awesome they were today. Maybe it's not so spectacular like a star that led you here today. But maybe Christmas itself is the start sign for you and for you being here. And it can be just as powerful because it can lead you to worship. Maybe if you listen and if you look, you will surprise yourself and encounter God and truly worship and satisfy the deepest longing of your heart. Let's pray together. Lord, we, we are thankful for this day, for all the signs in our lives that pointed us to this place today, that we get to be here, to get to we, that we get to hear your word. We ask that we might worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us to see your true and living presence with us today. Help us to worship the King. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.